Welcome back. It's Hit Factory. My name is Aaron. My name is Carly. And today we have a very, very special guest joining us. Actor, writer, and our resident vampire hunter, Jamel Moses is on the program. Jamel, welcome to the Hit Factory. Hello, 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 guys. It is so nice to be here, and I'm so excited to talk about uh, my favorite vampire hunter. Uh, yeah, he definitely is. I mean, it's Vampire Hunter D2. I really like him, but he, he's definitely my favorite Blade. And so, yeah. <laughs> yes, that is indeed uh, the vampire hunter in question. Today, we are going to be talking about the 1998 uh, it is a Marvel movie. It's a Marvel movie. It's a superhero movie about uh, the Daywalker, the Vampire Hunter, the man himself, Blade. Uh, really, one of the the first attempts uh, at at anything on the big screen that Marvel ever tried, uh, and and one of their most successful up until like like what would have been uh, another ten years after this until they would really. Uh, catch yeah. lightning in a bottle again with Iron Man and and kick off the MCU. Uh, of course, this is not part of that project. They're in fact even going to be uh, working on a a sort of uh, renewed Blade property with the great Mahershala Ali sometime in the future here. Uh, but but this one I think stands alone in the pantheon of superhero movies of the '90s, uh, not least of which because of the very very great very brilliant. Wesley Snipes leading this one. And Jamel, we've talked about this movie uh, several mm-hmm. times yeah. on Twitter. I have seen you post about the movie independently mm-hmm. of our conversations many times. I want to know for you what what Blade means to you, what Wesley's performance means to you in this. Like what 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 is it about Blade that is so monumental, so important? I can get emotional to a certain extent about Blade. Um <laughs> Very Don't hold back, because, Jamal. <laughs> because uh, at 43 year old, I was born right at the edge of the 80s, 1979. And it was a very kind of weird and interesting time for me because everything and everyone I was looking up to cinematically was white. And you would you had to cling to these little bits and pieces of anybody that looked like you and say, oh, yeah. I can remember there were two movies. It was Bad Boys in 1995, and it was Blade. And especially because I wasn't a child, I do envy, and I talk about this a lot, to see action films when I was growing up with Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Michael Dudikoff and whoever whoever the fuck else was working. And then now see well this is your first buddy cop movie and it's just two black guys and then transition to blade and i didn't even have no expectations at that point like i went to blade kind of like not even knowing what we were gonna get i it looked i i was like this is i felt like it from the trailers it was gonna be cheap and i didn't know what kind of budget it was gonna have or anything like that and then i just remember like that that opening scene to me is still like church it it is yeah i i don't feel i'm being or using hyperbole or being hyperbolic when i say that i do i genuinely feel it's one of the greatest scenes and now having had 
all of the cinematic language and now having seen all those, the cinematic lexicon, I still think it's one of the greatest openings any film has ever had. And that moment of seeing this this black man just standing there in the midst of all these, what's saying that sort of, it's very theatrical of this wave and sea of vampires just on a parting and whispers, it's the Daywalker and it's him. And, and like, it was yes. just a fucking moment, man. I just was like, and being in the theater of people of, and this, and, and bad boys, I went to go see in like a magic Johnson theater. So that was a very black experience, but mm-hmm. blade, it was everybody. And now you're like watching these people and they're all responding, but, in the same ways they responded to all the big movies with the white heroes, but it's it's somebody that looks like you up there, and they're, like, and they're going, oh, da, da. and I was just like, man, I like wanted to eat my hand. It was crazy. So yes, I, this this movie, <laughs> it was just like it's it's very important to me. It's it's a very it's a very it's an important just in in a movie in, in a movie sense just in general and it's also important to me and in a sense of being a black person and it's a very it's a very black movie to me even still i feel like this movie doesn't make a fuss about the fact that it's two black leads like i correct me if i'm wrong but i i get the sense now that movies today are like look 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 what look what we're doing Mm -hmm. check this thing out okay Mm -hmm. Are you, do you see this? And it has to be like, we're doing this thing, our clap, we're doing this thing, clap, and not like, it, it's just Wesley up the, and, and, um, Karen, I'm, oh, I'm going to blank on her name. Um, and Boucher Wright. And Boucher Wright. And Boucher Wright. Mm-hmm. The two of them carried the mm-hmm. entire film mm-hmm. and like, there was no fuss made. No. It, it wasn't like, um, it didn't feel like pandering. It just felt yeah. like those were who the characters needed to be. You didn't have to shine a light. And I, I go, I go even beyond those two because you got the guy that he like daps up and he gets his like fucking garlic or whatever shit that he yes. into himself from. <laughs> he, he has, uh, uh, there's, there's the nightclubs and everything. It was like this movie that was very, um, I hate diversity, but the, I, the word, I mean, but, um, it was. It just. It was this this movie that like showed this landscape of a city. I always think of Steve McQueen recently had a very uncomfortable like interview with the Hollywood Reporter where he was there surrounded by um like all the, uh, Jason Reitman. It was for the Hollywood Reporters like mm-hmm. round table type deal. He was talking about how like it's crazy to me that somebody would film in New York City. And there's nothing but white people. He's like, that's that's not what that city looks like. And he was right. like, and it's just, it's insane to me. So why would you do that? He's like, it's not about this. Or uh, he, He's like strictly doing that thing you're talking about, about black. He's like, if we're talking about reality, this is the reality. And my point being that Blade was doing that in that way. It was just like, this is, I don't remember what city it actually was filmed in, but it feels like it's like a Chicago type place or a New yep. York or some mm-hmm. form of metropolis. And the point is that it, it has everyone in there and everything stuff. All, all these, there's all it just as extras, as leads, as everything. It, it's just, it feels like the kind of city that it wants to suggest to you. And that's very important to me to the heartbeat of what you're trying to sell because it feels gritty, realistic, yes. integrated, just like a city is. You better wake up. The world you live in is just a sugar-coated topic. 
there is another world beneath it. The real world. For thousands of years, they have existed among us. You keep your eyes open. They're everywhere. Chances are you've seen them yourself and didn't know it. A secret nation. Our livelihood depends on our ability to blend in. With a lust for power. We should be ruling the humans. These people are our food. They've got their claws into everything. Politics, finance, real estate. There's a war going on out there. He makes the weapons. I use them. Now, one will lead them to conquer mankind. Tonight, the age of man comes to an end. We're gonna be gods. And one will try to stop him dead. There are worse things out tonight than vampires. Like what? Like me. Half-human. Blade's mother was attacked by a vampire while she was pregnant. Half-immortal. You got the best of both worlds. All our strengths. None of our weaknesses. He is their greatest fear. And our only hope. Soapy season of all vampires. Snipes, Stephen Dorff. You're one of them, aren't you? No, I'm something else. Blade. For a movie that you know is is written by and directed by white men, that's mm, David S. Goyer yeah. and then Stephen Norrington. I think that it actually handles some of the things it's saying about race pretty smartly and pretty deftly in, in terms of the execution. And of course, a lot of that comes down to, to Wesley being there like in, in the lead. But there is some interesting stuff going on in terms of like the parallels to a lot of societal conversations that were happening. Um, and there is kind of this almost sort of like fantasy fulfillment capacity to it, especially in in relation to to Wesley's kind of like uh, treatment of of law enforcement in this like there's 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 like the cops right who who yep. serve as these sort of what they call familiars in this yeah. movie yeah. uh and and they're the guys who like do the the bidding of the vampires and like this movie is is willing to kind of i, I think deftly and really bravely make institutions of power in our society right like politicians and mm-hmm. and uh capitalists and law enforcement and make them the bad guys and let mm-hmm let blade actually like kick their ass you know like Mm -hmm. it's it's uh it's a pretty cool thing and i think it's something that has definitely gotten sanded down a little bit yeah in in the current marvel era right you know like uh the importance of something like a black panther can't be understated in terms of its representation in front of and behind the camera right but in that movie you've got the main character Mm -hmm. uh aiding the cia to take yeah. down like a you know a revolutionary yeah. 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 and and it's a yeah. it's a little bit different kind of conversation yeah. than the one that yeah. was happening in the 90s and with blade absolutely and it's funny because one of my notes in here uh is uh blade is subtly a black exploitation film yes and 100%. a lot of that has to do with the things you're talking about a though i don't know i won't say it's forgotten or what I just don't see it written in uh, explicitly in a lot of people's writings on exploitation that many of these movies were directed by white people and mm-hmm. quite a few of them were written 
by or had white people somewhere around the writing and everything stuff. And so in the importance of that to me in today's time is a, I think there's a little bit of an infantilization in this, this thing where I, I feel both ways. Cause for, for reasons of wanting our voices to be heard, all voices to be heard. I want representation. I want more black people behind the scenes, especially because that's going to help the development of better and thicker and, and stories that align. But uh, this, this idea that, Oh, white people can't, tell stories as if they're their minds they can just many of them choose to do it in a way that just pisses other people off because they (laughs) they it's like this this unwillingness to engage in anything outside of their own sort of bubble i I still have issues with certain things that i've seen from david simon since then but i still Mm -hmm. think that the wire is a great uh, uh, example of this type of thing where you're talking about, hey, I I can just write people like people are, and then on the places that I don't know things, I'll let them. No, no, you do your thing. You you come up with the language. You say that, and right. mm-hmm. I'll let you do because I don't know that, and have be be humble enough to know that, hey, you're this is not your realm. You know, one of the worst experiences I had is in the early actor in L.A., and these were some great friends, and 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 they're amazing people, but. At the same time, it was it was a really it really I can't explain it, but it was when they they wrote a line for me that I was very uncomfortable saying. And I and I came up as best I could because I this is a very good opportunity for me. And I'm not going to say any names because these people are actually known in the industry, but they just they just talked over me. And it was very like, I, I promise you, this is not the way any person of my you know complexion would talk and it's saying and, and they just yeah yeah oh absolutely and the, i think actually i won't even say they talked over me they pretend worse still they pretended like they gave a damn and then they did exactly what they wanted to do any right. damn way in the editing bay and when i went to the premiere and everything so it was just bad but the point is those are the type of things and with steven norrington and at norrington and um david s goyer I don't know what was cooking back there. I love to hear like more of a deeper story <laughs> of how they came up with Blade and, and how much because you got like Amon Raw Films or something, which I think was more of like Wesley's production company and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there's clearly this and it feels like Wesley had a lot to do with it, too. But it just feels like a very collaborative effort was going on here. And that kind of understanding you see the, what the fruits of it are in in Blade. I still think it's why, even compared to I just was I just recently rewatched Black Panther and I was like, this is it came down a little bit for me, for the reasons that Aaron you just said about the you know the the CIA. I re- it came that came even thicker this time and 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 the way that that contorts the story, the way it messes with what you're doing here and what you are accomplishing. And even other parts about what they were trying to say, whereas it's funny in this way where Blade is absolutely, I won't, it, obviously every movie is political, but it's definitely not a movie that's like, hey, we're trying to, you know, send a message. I always think of the fucking uh, don't be a menace message. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not doing that, but like, man, it's so much, yet and still, it's this movie that is deeply like hey we don't we don't have to pander to anybody i if i want to beat like I, I, that scene where the cop 
the, the cop familiar, uh, uh, he's beaten his ass viciously. To he's the ready point to where- ice him in broad daylight. <laughs> yeah, 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 he's he's bro- got a gun to his head. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was dead serious about that shit, too. And the thing about it is, it's like, and to the point where even her as a black woman is like, is that even necessary? <laughs> it's just like, bro, like, and, but I mean, and no, like, no fucks given. And the movie isn't backing up off of it. It's relentless about if you need to get the job done, then you get it, you get it done however you need to get it done. And I, like I said, that's, that's kind of the spirit of black, black exploitation when it comes to black characters. Almost every enemy of Blade. And again, it's didn't it doesn't seem to be doing this on purpose, but there are a lot of them are white. And then at the same yep. time, you have somebody like Whistler and their relationship without any of this sort of I'm black, you're white, Ebony and Ivory, and all type of bullshit. It's just it's just like, yo, this is my dog. And and I ride for him no matter fucking what. And I will go to fucking war for this guy. And you it's just there's just certain things that they show that these guys have a clear bond without ever having to explicitly or scream it at you that a white man and a black man get on. So that combination of like, we don't have to, you know cut your meat in little pieces for you and deliver it to your mouth in an airplane and shit and everything stuff is going on and I like it. It's that humanness. Like, this is a story about vampires and, like, a badass dude that just, like, kills vampires and gives no fucks. But it is also, like, one of the most, like, deeply human stories I've, I've encountered in a really long time. And, like, it's doing all the cool stuff. It's giving you awesome practical effects. There's VFX. There's action. Wesley is doing like incredible stunt work. Yes. There's all that stuff. It's like movies. Yes. yes. Perfect. Yeah. But it's also a movie about relationships and like relationships between people, relationships between people and institutions of power, relationships between generations like the it's the movie is populated with with like relationships and different kinds of relationships and I was thinking about it when it ended and I was like this like this movie's kind of emotional like it's like it's it's doing stuff that I think is missing from a lot of not just action blockbusters but like specifically superhero and comic book blockbusters where we know that comic book source material is often like incredibly emotional, like mm-hmm. incredibly emotional, deeply human. And I feel like so much of that gets stripped out of mm-hmm. what we see in the theaters today. And it was like really nice to come back to this film yeah. and be like, oh, yeah, this is still an incredible movie and it's mm-hmm. thrilling and all of those things. But it I picked up on the the human elements that you're talking about more so than I think I did, you know, yeah. when I was younger. That's true. Yeah. No, absolutely. I like that you bring up, uh, Jamel, that this movie is sort of like a a sort of secret kind of low key black exploitation movie, and I mm-hmm. think that that is 100 percent correct, even in like the origins of the movie and and of the character. So, mm-hmm. one of the things that I think gets lost in all of this so often because blade as a character as portrayed by wesley in these movies is so iconic 
mm-hmm. is that like that's not really how he started in the comics. He was much more of like an everyman kind of character initially. He dates back to like you know like the the mid seventies, early mid seventies. Yeah. Uh, it's it's Marv Wolfman and uh, Gene Colin, I think, are the names of the the creators who are credited at the beginning. Uh, but he looks in the comics for a little while kind of like a black exploitation character, you know? He's oh, wow. like kind of like a, a muscular like black man with like an mm. afro and sunglasses oh, wow. and he's got like kind of like a vest on like with no shirt underneath. Uh in in fact an early version of this movie was going to star the great black exploitation actor Richard Roundtree. What? And was going to be set in Mexico and like a quasi like <laughs> spaghetti western type Blade movie almost like from dusk till dawn i wow. think you know which, which is a movie we've just covered on the show That's but crazy. richard roundtree initially was going to be the the character and then later on in the 90s uh marvel wanted to get this property off the ground and was eyeing ll cool j who really wanted <laughs> oh, to play the wow. role for a little wow. bit and it was only in like i'm not mad at that no i mean <laughs> just- <laughs> I, I i'm glad it wasn't him but it would have been interesting to see what that would look like uh, but it wasn't until like 1996 that this movie really started like gaining some momentum. You yeah. had Goyer behind the project, writing it and pitching the idea. Like, I, don't, I this needs to be taken seriously. We need to make yeah. this like a cool action picture. Okay. And and Wesley came to it because his uh, studio that you were talking about, mm-hmm. Jamel, failed to get a Black Panther movie off the ground. What? So Wesley was what? almost Black Panther in the 90s. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, the lineage that like that Snipes has specifically within like Marvel. And, within like, the Marvel, canon. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh, wild. But again, like Goyer and his sort of design of these characters and Norrington's yeah. aesthetic choices and the way that mm-hmm. they've designed Wesley specifically as Blade with like yeah. the Kevlar and the trench yeah. coat and kind of like the samurai vibe, that is all from the movie. Like the Marvel comics mm-hmm. were reshaped and changed the vision what? of the character because of the movie. I love that. Yeah, and so that like, crazy. you know, like everything that, that, that they have done with that character in terms of aesthetic was inspired by by snipes and like by his version of the character and i think yeah. it's just like it's you, you can't talk about this movie without talking about how fucking iconic he is and yeah and it's just like wesley is like I, I i told this to somebody online the other day when i was talking about blade maybe my vote for like the most charismatic actor of the 1990s mm-hmm. yeah, yeah like just like impossibly magnetic mm-hmm. yeah but Wesley Snipes was was really huge for me as he comes onto the scene before then, most of the time, not every time, but most of the time, the the black actors that were excelling, they were light skinned mm-hmm. and like I said, more intercommunity type stuff. But it Wesley starts is the beginning of this turn where it's like dark skinned dudes are in. And now we're going to, you're seeing yourself more on screen and this can be beautiful. And and he also, what my thing with Wesley Snipes is very interesting. At first I, I was mad at it because I appreciated him so much having seen New Jack City that I mm-hmm. thought he was going to be our next Denzel Washington. And because he just kind of like, cut 
quick turned into almost becoming strictly an action guy, especially in the 90s, mm-hmm. rather than, you know, some guy chasing an Oscar type career. For a while there, I struggled with that and, and, and what that might mean because I wanted them to be taken seriously so bad. Wesley Snipes is this kind of dude that like, one thing I was noting watching that again, that opening of Blade is once he starts doing the action shit, it's like when you really watch action people, and this is really kind of like before it's right getting near where we're really about to night. You got what 1995 was face off with it. We're about to make that mm-hmm. transition into Hong Kong's influence uh, uh, totally dominating the matrix and stuff, sending it into overdrive. But yes. without that really having happened yet, Wesley and with no real, like I'm trying to do this is already giving us pieces of what that can look like because he has charisma, not only in the sense that he, and in his talking and how he does that, but it's in his movements. I just kept paying yes. attention to the, there's this not only fluidity, to the way that he does any move that he's doing, you know, as far as it, con- as it concerns martial arts, but there's this acting kind of a uh, 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 f- uh, flourishes that mm-hmm. he'll add, f- pushing his coat to the side before he does like a major kick and everything. Yes. stuff. there's this move he does where he puts this guy's head into the wall, and it's like this, like he does this thing, and it's like so, it's so symmetrical. It's so beautiful. It's it, every move he was doing in that opening scene when he throws the gun and it flips and catches the guy under his legs and everything, stuff like that. Everything he does is like this. It's really an understanding of what you need for the camera, what looks good beyond just, oh, would this kick really work? Would this, it, yeah, it, that's not that important sometimes in movies. What's important is, does it look good to the camera? Does it give you this feeling? Right of power, yes. of, of push, of I does it give it personality? You need to add personality. He already had it. But besides maybe New Jack City, there was you hadn't there was no movie that pronounced just the level that this dude was working on besides Blade. Yes. I th- I think people also underestimate the influence that this film has on yes. other films, yes. like not just yeah. culturally, but you brought this up with like the wave that it kicked off into that, like Americans really being exposed to more like Kung Fu style Hong mm-hmm. Kong action. Mm-hmm. But I'm also thinking specifically of the ties this movie has to the matrix. Like mm-hmm. there were several moments in this film aesthetics right off the bat yes like matrix is is copying that the rave stuff is like wow that's crazy the like long uh like blades whole outfit is like exactly what neo wears Mm -hmm. but then there was also that scene in like the back half of blade when he walks into some like he's like walking into their building where like the vampire headquarters are or whatever i don't know what they're called um and there's like marble, there's like marble walls and like marble yeah. pillars. Yeah. And they have a fucking shootout. Oh my like God, they do. Yes, that was. It, it looks it looks yes. like the shootout from the Matrix. It literally yes. looks the same. And Fuck. I was like, wait a second. Why did I never make this connection yes. before? Like wow. it's there there are so many things that I think 
the Matrix in particular, and like mm-hmm. the Wachowskis were watching this movie. Of course Clearly. they were. Oh yeah, Clearly. they cribbed from all sorts of stuff, and it's they part did. of the reason yeah, why yeah, that movie yeah. is great. So great. To, to be absolutely. clear, that's that's part of the reason why the movie is is yes. very good. Not mm-hmm. why this. You know, we're not making any accusations. No, here that, I'm, like, not, it's I'm not. I'm not like, for it. I'm not no, like no. defaming the Matrix, but I mm-hmm. think to your point, Jamel, like this movie is is not just a really brilliant experience as an audience member. And like, yes, I'm entertained, but also like really, really influenced a lot of other aspects of movie making at the time. And like kind of introduced an aesthetic for film in a lot of different genres that like would last well beyond the blade series. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And now you get, I didn't, I didn't like, this is the first time I'm putting that together. So like I'm serious, (laughs) I'm I'm, going to have to sit with that. Like I really, it it makes me want to watch it again. I just fucking watched it a few days ago, but I want to watch it again. already. Yeah, man. Now with that context in it, because I fucking, yeah. The way that this anticipated in a lot of ways, I think inspired so much of that nineties aesthetic. The other thing too, uh, Frost like squeeze like the like bleach blonde like rave chick with the the weird like Eastern European accent. Oh, she, oh, yeah, she's yeah, Switch, yeah. right? She's she totally switch. has the she's entire totally like switch. aesthetic oh. of, of Switch in that movie. <laughs> uh, oh, I mean, there's there's a lot of them there. Well, and Damn. he has that co- he has that conversation. Frost, you you mentioned it when yeah. he was like saying he says something about there are two moments that felt distinctly like this is a conversation from the matrix. And this is something I feel like we see a lot in nineties movies is this idea of like, there's like something underneath the surface, like things aren't right. Like we're, you know, moving towards the millennium. There's a lot of like anxiety and that's very much comes to the surface in a film like matrix when they, the matrix, when they say it explicitly, but this film did it first and it, Mm. it didn't just say, Oh, like, what you see isn't reality it didn't even assert that it said like there's actually a whole other world that exists with this reality that is like pulling the strings of everything here mm-hmm. not what you're seeing is fake but like this is just the surface yes right and that to me felt like they're talking about you know the state they're talking about elite power they're talking about and it didn't need to say that though but it was like you're just living this life that you think is like blissful and perfect and it's candy coated and all these things and like Mm -hmm. you're cattle like you don't you don't actually have any agency Mm -hmm. man this matrix say it fucking (laughs) it's blowing your mind now it is because it's and it's making me think of all these other things because I don't want to go too far with it because I definitely, and I'm, I'm so happy to see people speak about Blade as they are right now. But at the same time, I still feel like there's this little bit of like patting on the head type thing going on or whatever, where people say, oh yeah, remember Blade was the first one, but it feels like when you say it's just the first one, it's like, well, you started this. But you were you were the humble beginnings. It's like saying, you know, Homo sapien or something like that. It's like right, yeah, right. we know, but you you haven't gotten it together yet. But first of all, I think this movie had it together. And second of all, I yeah. think this this movie is better than ninety percent of what's so crazy to me is how 
how this is a Marvel movie, as you said earlier, Aaron, and yet it feels so distinctly non-Marvel as we understand Marvel to exist now. It's crazy Absolutely. to me that they didn't follow in for a movie that set them in the path that they're on right now. That they have nothing like you, yeah. Well, and it scares me about whatever they would do, especially now that it seems to be having struggles with a a blade in the continuation of what they're doing right now. I wish they would have looked at that and said and and took more from that. But that's part of what I feel like everyone is not doing right when they discuss what blade is, and because I would like it to be more discussed, like The Matrix is discussed as a yep. movie that is a seminal film, period. Not just, oh, you started off Marvel, and without that, Marvel doesn't exist, and yada, 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 but more so that this is just a a, a seminal film that has that started a lot of lexicon and the language that we understand of these kinds of films, this movie, look to it. And in that context, bringing it even more specific to talking about one aspect of, uh, of of this film that I really love, which is that it the we all we always know that with villains it, they're supposed to be sort of to some extent mirror images of mm-hmm. your protagonist. Deacon Frost is like you know, hey Blade, me 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 and you, buddy, and everything stuff. I'm telling you, I get you, and I'm tired of these people, and he's and 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 he's pushing back against the very people that he works with. Because again, a lot of times when you're talking about oppression of any sort or elite groups and things like that, it's this very sort of uh, nuanced and complex sort of thing where there's a lot of people who are also themselves oppressed, who have power over other people, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, when if they would only confront it, but the problem is that they seek power in the same way that the people who already have it have given them to understand what that's supposed to look like. Yes, and yes. So absolutely. I feel as though that when you're looking at in context why these two people who have both been hurt, I mean, he was a ha- uh, he's probably without the movie saying it a lot, obviously, I think Deacon is like tired of being called half breed. Tired yep. of those guys at that table telling him he's less than. Yep. And mm-hmm. when he has that conversation, and I, I just have to put in that fucking. I, when I talk about especially comic book villains, to some extent, villains in a journal, probably, he'd probably be lower on my list if we were talking about all time movie villains, period. But sure. in comic book villains, he moves up quite a bit to me, especially in the context <laughs> of how other people talk about Deacon Frost. I, I really feel as though that they underestimate what Steven Dorff brought to that role in particular, not only in the framing of it, which is really unique as, as I mean, he's a dime store villain. If you're just looking at him like comic book wise and everything and stuff, it was like, man, but Dorff brought so much to this very specific idea of what he might look like. You, you talked about it with the, Iced fucking uh, tips and the, oh my gosh, like, it's so nineties, man. So nineties, it's, so, it's so 90s. 90s, and it's yet at the same time he gives him so much underneath of what's driving the character that he yep. and yes. he's timeless despite his luck being obviously stuck to a period. You're so right. Absolutely. I mean, he embodies in a lot of ways that kind of like myth of of sort of meritocratic kind of like bootstrapism that was there right but in a lot of ways too he also embodies this like 
this sort of precursor to a lot of the kind of economic and like almost like reactionary like populism that we mm. see today right mm. where he has this like kind of frustration with like his particular lot in life and his station mm. and the way that these other people are kind of keeping him down and his mm. ultimate goal is exactly what you said he wants to change the power structure but he wants to do it in order to achieve the same type of power and some in yeah. a system that looks exactly the same same but it's just run by like mm. the new guys right instead yes. of like the, the stiff old like crusty white hairs right yep, yep. and and that's the part where like this movie i think gets really interesting mm -hmm. is in the way that it reflects blade's relationship as kind of this like liminal kind of protagonist that can be both human and vampire at once mm -hmm. but it's really it's its own thing right yeah and and dorf is like come to our side instead of that side we have yeah. for you this opportunity to be a part of that power structure you know yes. the way the way liberalism and capitalism yep. kind of do that right they yes. sort of commodify the, yeah. the people and and these these particular uh, representations and by the end of the movie blade has decided I'm staying right here. Mm -hmm. I have a particular opportunity, a particular power mm -hmm. in being uh, powerful like them, mm -hmm. but not being them. And I'm going to I'm going to define myself by that because there's still work to be done. Yes. And I think that that is what makes Blade such a cool fucking character. And I love yes. that resolution to his character in this movie. And I, I really do wish comic books would get back to that idea of take your character, know who they are. And make your movie based off of that. And it's little things like that. You don't you don't have to do much, but that's power in, in script. And I feel as though that emotional beats in a lot of Marvel movies today are gone. They will not take the time. It's banter, 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 banter. And I'm like, oh my gosh, another fucking like there was a moment um in um Infinity War. First mm -hmm. one, I believe. And it's between Raccoon and thor they're yeah. in the ship uh and kind of like abandoned and they're kind of like they start going between each other just about how their lives has been and i was like damn this is actually one of the first times i'm like this is pretty good they couldn't give that a fucking beagle for they didn't and i gotta do a joke here we can't just yeah. let that just live no no, no no we hit it with a joke and i was just like guys why why do you hate sadness so much Yes. Why do you hate, like, sometimes that that's part of, that's why I do agree with James Cameron. I'm not trying to be an asshole to Marvel films, but there are real things that they do that is just like, it's like, they're the ones that act like they hate the things that movies do. Oh, yes. I, yeah, of I've course. always said that Kevin Feige, Feige, whatever, however you pronounce that, is like this dude that, and I remember reading an article where he talked about why he got into this and what he wanted. He, and he was specifically about comics. And I was like, you love comics. I don't think you love movies. Mm. Right. And yep. I think Marvel movies show that. It's, it's a deep affinity for comic books and the lore and what's behind them. There doesn't seem to be much love in recalling movies. When you go to Blade, like I said, we can recall all these other films that it's clearly calling back to. Mm -hmm. But when you look at a lot of Marvel movies, it's like, mm, I I guess you can infer. But for the most part, this feels most like you're loyal to what the comic book said. But you have no influences you're looking at from films lore and saying, what kind of movie can we make? And the ones that are successful, again, to me, are the ones that were like, 
we looked at a specific film and we saw something and we love that and we put that into the film and it shows in the relationships. Yeah. Or just like, why is this even a movie? Right. Like, that's the question (laughs) I ask sometimes. I'm like, you're in this medium for a reason. Right. Like we're we're in a theater for a reason. You can do things cinematically that comic books can't do. Yes. Like, let's not let's let's still try to, like, make this an experience. And I think it's less about an emotional experience to your point, and it's more just about spectacle, right? Yeah. And I don't mm-hmm. need to go to the movies for spectacle. Like, no. everything we consume is a spectacle. But the thing that, like, a movie can make me feel is different than a thing than, like, a really good book can make me feel. That doesn't mean neither of those things can be emotional, but it is a different storytelling experience. And I just don't get the sense that there is anyone thinking about the experience of the audience member. I think it's just like, we need to make sure we hit these beats. We need mm-hmm. to make sure we reference these characters. We need to make sure we do these set pieces. Yeah, And I agree with you completely that smaller films, it's like the bigger the stakes get, the less meaning they have, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't, I'm bored that the world universe, whatever is going to end for the 20th time. I don't give a (laughs) shit. Like that means nothing to me anymore. But when we are in that space where like, it's someone, as you said, like in his own territory, the stakes feel weightier because you're in it with them and you can connect to it. I, I don't give a shit about like, some world ending monster that comes around every two years because like I've, I have that experience every, every time I'm in the movies, like that's not, that's not speaking to anything that draws any emotion from me. And like blade does so much to speak to things that are bigger than its world. Yeah. As you said, without trying to. Yeah. And all Mm -hmm. all good stories can do that. Well, looks like our friend here's been blood running, huh? I hope I'm finished. I know this place is a blood bank. Owned by vampires. There's one in every city. And they always deliver. So where were you taking it? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh. Look, look, take it easy. I'm, I'm only going to ask you one more time. Where will you take it? Go fuck yourself. Fuck me. No, you suck this. Yeah. Uh, just a sugar-coated topping. There is another world beneath it. The real world. And if you want to survive it, you better learn to pull the trigger. One of the examples of this that I'm thinking of specifically is the stuff with Wesley and uh, Sana Lathan, who plays yeah. his mother yeah. in the movie. And I think that it's like, it, it's a part that, you know, drives blades hatred of the vampires right because they killed his mom and made him this way and then it's texturized by the fact that like his mom is not dead his mom is a vampire yes and working with the bad guys and And she's a smoke show and she's a total smoke show she's super hot in this movie and that again is one of the things that like makes it complicated because they're now like 
around the same age because she yeah. hasn't aged yeah, since she turned. Nope. And so there's like sexual tension there. And I, I talked about this already online. I was like, I was like the mommy shit, like the like the, yes. the weird like kinky stuff that's going on there. I love it so it it it's like uncomfortable, but I also love it yep. so much because it's exactly the kind yes. of wrinkle that like modern comic book movies would not never. let happen in it. You would never let that happen. You would never let something complicated enough as making an audience member maybe kind of feeling like, oh, I think that they should have sex. But yeah. also they definitely shouldn't have shouldn't. sex. Right, right. You know, and like and that complicated like relationship with that moment and like that that kind of chemistry. Yes. Uh just like you're not allowed not that they're not allowed to, but like they won't allow themselves to do it anymore no. in Marvel properties or comic book stories. This movie is very carnal. And like none of the new Marvel movies are like I'm they're totally dry, sexless. Yes meatless just like husks of a film yeah and this movie is like sex and blood and violence and guns and it's just like it's about appetite it's It's about about desire you know and i'm wondering how they're gonna do that in like a sexless marvel kind of quality is getting fucking vampire head in the beginning of the film yes yeah (laughs) and Then you move on, and there's like you said, it's 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 Wesley Snipes' body. It's I mean, it, it's Chris Christopherson is a fucking smoke show as well. Yes. Uh, you got all these beautiful women just in in, mm-hmm. in random places wherever you might see them. You know, just sometimes it's 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 Tracy Lord. Sometimes it's just a, a random vampire. You see them. It's it's oh, uh, who you guys said uh, Deacon Frost is kind of like some tiny girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> there's 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 beautiful people everywhere. But also, I, I one thing I really kind of like, I hate to be that type of person, but there used to be this idea of there's this character and we need you to have that no matter who you are. You're Tom Cruise, you're Brad Pitt character. But now we got these people that's just like, oh, you, you look good. You're a template. Yes. And. If you take somebody like Chris Evans, I've heard a lot of people say no one else can play Captain America. I can think of 30 fucking actors and I'm not yes. playing. <laughs> I literally yeah, wrote down that play that could play Captain America and probably give it more gravitas than Chris Evans in the sense that he's giving you some insight into what drives Captain America. Get the fuck out of here. And when it comes to... Wesley Snipes, I really feel as though he made it difficult for other actors. I don't really in in, in mm-hmm. truth think that there's any person that could say they make a role and no one else can play it. There's always somebody else. Oh yeah. But as close as you can possibly get to that, I really do feel and that's why I think like I right now, even I really don't know anybody besides my hair show up that I would be like. You can be Blade right now, and there's a lot of good yeah. black right. actors right now. But I just don't know that they had what Wesley had and what he was able to do. Because it's not only that; it's the martial arts. It's the yes. it's the understanding of how to make that work on the camera. It's all of these things that he has, and then there's just a very special sort of charisma, uh, attitude, and so. When you bring that all into the context of talking about movies, because the other thing as far as emotionality that you were talking about uh, uh, with comic book films that I'm so angry at today is that 
and that Blade has in Farzan relationships. And I think ultimately in talking about blockbusters, because I love blockbusters when they're done well. Mm-hmm. But it's just that the problem is today that they're done poorly. And when Marvel is one of the main things, because Marvel has had this effect where even other people who want to make big movies copy and mimic their bullshit. And so when it comes to uh, 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 like looking at um, Minority Report, for instance, which is I just I think it's an amazing blockbuster film. And there's this Mm -hmm. deep emotionality running throughout that movie and everything stuff where there's literally scenes where I want to cry. There's scenes where I'm so, so viscerally angry. There's scenes where I'm horrified. And <laughs> Marvel, I, I like, Doctor Strange, man, was like, the, the two, part two. I was oh. just like... Oh, man. Jamal, we couldn't. We couldn't finish we it, couldn't man. Finish what? It. <laughs> we turned oh that thing God. off. Oh, my God. <laughs> Y'all are with me, okay. This everyone promised me. Everyone promised me a Sam oh, Raimi everyone movie. Everyone said, yeah, and yes, was like, yes. Are we? What are we watching? Well, here? And, then, and then we and then we turned it off, and we're like, I, we 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 turned it off about an hour, like maybe just shy of an hour, in like forty five minutes. And everyone's like, oh yeah, the, the first hour is kind of rough, but the last hour is when it gets good. And I'm like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for Why that. Why am I here <laughs> for the first hour? Then what are we doing here? What are Me we doing and my here? two brothers. To show how it like we, we went to the movies <laughs> first weekend. We go to see this shit because it's Sam Raimi. Well, me, me and my other brother were the movie heads. The third one, he's more like it's a Marvel movie. So this is a Marvel guy kind of sitting here with us. All three of us, we whispered to each other, and I wasn't even the one that suggested it. It was them. They were like, "You want to leave." Yes! Like, yeah. (laughs) I was like, absolutely. There's better things I could be doing. I could knit socks for foxes right now. Oh my God. It it would be a much better time spent than to I could be watching Blade right now. Can I tell you? I I literally said to Aaron, I was like, I only have so many more hours until I die. Like, why am I spending them with this film? I work a lot. I have a little bit of free time until I leave this earth, and I am not going to give that movie. I just, I have to be choosy. There's too many other things on our watch list, too many other things that we know to be, like, great, you know, like, that we haven't seen. Like, you know, I haven't seen The Life and Death of Colonel Blimp. That's yeah. three hours of my life that I gotta I gotta <laughs> devote to something. I don't I don't need I don't need three hours of fucking strange and Elizabeth Olsen mugging. Oh, and I mean God. that's a scarcity mindset, but yeah. that's what we're working with that's here. What, we're we're on limited time, my friend. We're on limited. We're time. on limited time. Anyway, I I don't want to spend the entire time trashing Marvel now, but but I think yeah. it comes. It, I think it, it it brings us to a point that is really important to Blade. Yeah. Which is exactly what it, what Carly was already mentioning, like the carnality of it, right? Like this, yes. like very tactile kind of quality to it, yes. like vampirism. And if you're going to explore yeah. vampirism, it has to be yes. about desire, right? It's yes. like it's lustfulness. It's it's, yes. uh, and in this movie, it's it's shown in all sorts of different ways, right? Like like vamp- yeah. vampirism is like literally about like hedonism, about like giving in to all of these desires that we normally keep at bay, right? And Blade. Uh, Blade fights against that constantly, you know, like yeah. it works. His whole character is to avoid that. And I don't know how in like the sexless template of a Marvel movie, mm. you're going to get something that has that same sort of like mm. 
rawness and sensuality to it, even with someone as beautiful and as charismatic as Mahershala. Yeah, like mm-hmm. if, if the content isn't there and like if you're not working within a movie that's willing to kind of go to a place that makes a neck biting scene a sex scene. I was literally just like, going to say that. The <laughs> Iron and Blade I, fuck. That's what I was yes. going to go to because she one, says I was don't say, stop. <laughs> no. And, and, and there is this there's this thing that's happened to me in general in in vampire movies that I'm a little bit, I'm not sure how I feel about it because yes, vampires are in effect monsters. So I'm not, I can't just knock it, but it's gotten more vicious over Mm -hmm. the years where when the bites happen, it's like tearing up. (laughs) And mind you, I think Blade shows its moments when that's happened. Obviously, when he kills his own familiar. <laughs> because he's right. mad yes. at him, though. There's a point to that, though. It's not right. just for the sake of. It's like, yo, I don't fuck with you no more. Tear his ass up. I don't give a fuck about you. But when it's it's the normal, it's not like that. And it's it's it, it, I, I do miss the days, like, again, going to Bram Stoker's, going to interview with the vampire, and then to Blade, there's a lot of sensuality in the quote-unquote vampire's kiss. Yes. And it's this thing where you're like pulling somebody in, and there's this ecstasy. You know, I love in, in Interview the Vampire, there's this like Cre- Creole woman or whatever that sits in between Louis and Brad in kind of the early parts of the movie. And she's like, is your kiss as good as his and everything stuff? And then finally he writes and she's like oh and like i miss when it was like yo there's a little bit of even going back to like the christopher lee bella lugosi days though yes there was this Mm -hmm. ecstasy to it both for the vampire himself and for the quote-unquote victim where there would be this moment and i love that part of when they would do that where it'd be like first there's ecstasy and then you kind of realize wait a minute this is going to another level like oh and it's like and i i like that and that happened in blade too where he like when he's on us um uh and bush when he when she gives offers herself up like that first she's like there's a little bit of ecstasy and like i said they're fucking and then it's like okay stop 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 and it keeps going a little bit more to where finally he stops and i remember that thing because that that caused a lot of tension to me like oh my god what the fuck is he gonna do here is he gonna hurt her for the cost of this and it's that is a sort of nuanced thing and a scary thing and a carnal thing about i think again hedonism desire you do have to watch because you can get to a point where it's addiction and I do think right. that's another thing inherent in Blade is addiction. You you mm-hmm. see it on the streets. You see what it's done to people. You see the yes. effect this is having on 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 people when they're on it. And Blade himself, and you can see that it's something he's viscerally scared of. And so I just again all these things. You the fact that this movie has so many areas that you can talk about it on and each time you watch you can discover a new layer of something it's offering that's because it's very humanistic it's because of the smallness of it it's the scale of it and so i think when you do movies like that and then you create this uh, this avenue for them to constantly talked about in that way and that's that to me is is blade's legacy amongst all these things and everything stuff is that there's there's so many layers to this movie you could go on and on and on and on and on about what it's doing about 
how cool it is beyond all the things that we anybody can look at and be like, yo, mm-hmm. this scene is really dope and this person's really good and all this stuff. Because it is. It put all these things together that I think we've lost. That's what I love about Blades. This this tiny little movie with a bunch of people that clearly love movies and people that got onto a character that they said, this could be a movie because I love movies and I know what they are. And I think this guy fits into the type of things that I want to, I want to make a movie about this guy rather than I want this comic book. I love to be seen and I don't know really, or give a fuck about what movies are, but this guy needs to be on screen. How cool would it be if we saw this thing doing that? Just love the movies and love a character smash them together and see what happens well said this movie is such a labor of love Mm -hmm. it's a movie that understands its character it's a movie that like boldly reimagines its character Mm -hmm. to fit the kind of story it's telling Mm -hmm. in in important ways you know it's not just like a one-to-one like uh uh copy of it Mm -hmm. and uh, and it's just got it's got all the ingredients mixed just right to make it compelling make it fascinating make it just enjoyable and like come on like wesley you know drawing the line in in the dirt with his samurai <laughs> katana and and saying flipping his jacket yeah. and and yes, some and and, yes. and saying uh yes. some motherfuckers are always trying to skate up ice skate, skate uphill yes. <laughs> like nothing yes. beats that no. like that's that's the special sauce right there is like charismatic people doing cool shit for in service of a good story and like people behind the camera also you know for for whom it matters for whom it's not just like a paycheck or or you know like the next uh the next chapter in this constant churn of ip they even cut out in this movie what i love about this i i guess i do have one more thing to say is is kind of the finality of it a little bit mm-hmm. yeah it 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 doesn't set up a sequel nope which which it actually initially did in a, a different ending. There is oh, a shit. there is an alternate ending where at the end of it, uh, I guess it does kind of set the ending with like the fight with the Russians. But it's like, but it could end there. Like it doesn't yes. have to be. No. Oh, absolutely. now we're doing a Blade franchise, right? Yes. It, it doesn't. It doesn't hope for it. And I remember you know watching an interview with with uh, Goyer about it, where they're like, you you make these movies in the hopes that it will spawn. Mm-hmm. more of this kind of stuff and we get a chance to tell another story and and you know we make uh, you know half a dozen sequels and a bunch of money off of this for the studio but the way they wrote it it was like if we never get to do another one we wanted this to be the final push we wanted it to be the ending and they actually yes. cut out an alternate ending that teases uh morbius at the end of it oh what yeah yeah and he's like kind of staring at him from like a, a skyscraper off in the distance wow. and, you know, his hair is blowing in the wind uh, but but they they don't do that. They kill fucking Whistler yep, in the they movie. Kill yeah, Whistler. I yeah, couldn't. Be- yeah, I forgot I that. I, I forgot too because they bring him right back in Blade Two, <laughs> which is kind of like a, a contrivance of a sequel. But it works and it's fun. Yes. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I I just like the things that it does here with confidence and and does them with a sense of we're this is the this is our sandbox and we're not going to yeah. stray outside of it we're not going to be presumptuous about what we get to do with it we're not going to make the quality of this contingent on another one happening we're just going to focus on making this the best possible version of the story that we can how you doing chief it's nice to finally meet you man I've had my eye on you for years i know all about you 
your serum, Whistler, everything. Sunblock. Hey, it's a start, right? The goal, of course, is to be like you. Daywalker. You got the best of both worlds, don't you? All our strengths, none of our weaknesses. Well, maybe I don't see it that way. Oh, so it's back to pretending we're human again? Come on, spare me the Uncle Tom routine, okay? You can't keep denying what you are, man. You think the humans will ever accept a half-breed like you? They can't. They're afraid of you. And they should be. You're an animal. You're a fucking maniac. Look at them. They're cattle. Pieces of meat. What difference does it make how their world ends? Plague, war, famine. Morality doesn't even enter into it. We're just a function of natural selection. The new race. Looks like your mascara's running. I'm offering you a truce. I want you with us. Frost. You're nothing to me but another dead vampire. Just last night, I was talking to my brother. I don't even remember what the fuck we were talking about. Uh, I know it's about movies, but I was saying how something has changed, especially in casting, where when we bring people in from other disciplines, music or anything like that, it doesn't seem that there's this understanding of like, no, I, yes, you're here, but it's because there's this really great character I have, and you'll be amazing for it. Trust me. It's more like, hey, you're you. And you should be yes. in this movie because yes. then we could go, hey, here's a scene where Rihanna will pop up out of nowhere and we'll be like, yep. hey. And then you go, oh, that's Rihanna. And it's like, but are you really here for this? And it's like, this is how the people used to from any discipline, even with music. And stuff. Like I said, when David Bowie would be in films or whoever, it would always felt like, fuck, yeah, totally makes sense. Yes. But now it's like i don't why the fuck are you here harry styles <laughs> yeah. and with in connection to blade and mind you by this time christos Larson has already been doing his acting for a long time he's a very mm -hmm. good actor but the point i'm saying is that whistler is such a chris chris christopherson role everyone in this movie is there for again even tracy mm -hmm. lords all these people and I really think we could, the, the, the thing about this movie with all these little flourishes that really punch up the way this movie sits in our memories, uh, because I was, I thought of this point when you talked about Blade drawing that line. And this is the kind of stuff that I wish people would ask more. When we go back and we do these, let's have a conversation, Blade, 20 years later. This is the kind of shit I want to know. Whose idea was that? Yes. Did, did he just say, yo, I'm, <laughs> I'm fucking doing this, and you just caught him and said, keep that shit in there? Did you yeah. say, Blade, maybe you should, maybe you should, he should draw something. Who who came up with this stuff? Because there's so many times I'm like, what? That's so, like, unique to think of it in that way and it really ate like it punches up and all these little things that when he comes to pearl 
who in a Marvel movie today, who would even think of something like Pearl? Man, that, okay, that thing we is... didn't even talk about Pearl, and the Pearl scene is so good. It's yes. it's awesome, and it's again one of those textures. Like one, it would be. I, I think that there are are some more like kind of like topical and like cultural reasons why that would not be in here today. You know, be, be, that 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 it's like this like giant oversized character. You know, and yes, you, yes, you 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 yeah. would just incur you know a, a lot of that's true unnecessary mm-hmm. like conversations and controversy yes, around yes, fat phobia and things like that. That's but yeah, that it's true. there and that it is so kind of bizarre and grotesque because it's not just like an, an you know like an overweight no. person or like a fat mm-hmm. person they're no. they have like this like screeching voice and, and he's like green yes. like his skin's yeah. green he's he's yes. a different kind of character right yeah you it, it happens and i'm like i can't one I, I do not remember this being here and two it's such a bizarre kind of like digression from mm-hmm. a lot of the like kind of like groundedness of some of mm-hmm. the other stuff like it it feels I don't know. It's just one of those like brilliant kind of flourishes of world building in there. Well, yeah. And, and to to your point, Jamel, that scene lasts, you know, a couple of minutes at most. Mm-hmm. And it does so much work to fill out this other corner of this world that they don't even need to tell us about. Yes. And and like I because I went down a rabbit hole, like looking at um, some of the practical effects like stuff about this movie. I read an article about per- the Pearl stuff specifically they spent like hours and hours working on getting a person in the suit, setting it up like on the floor and oh like have gosh, it yeah. and like shooting around it. Like that's that set and that like creature design for that for Pearl was like labor intensive and like not not a thing that someone that movies today would spend that much time on for a three minute scene. And I right. so appreciated that they were like, we built this fucking body and like we painted it all these colors and like we yeah. had it open from the back and the guy could come up. But then we had to do two more hours of makeup on him. Like nice. it was like such a labor of love, mm-hmm. as you said. And like, that's a, a great scene that, that yes. illustrates that. And you know what? And the thing is, <clears throat> which number one, I still want to say, because I will never I don't want to be a person denouncing what people feel. And stuff, but I do think that a lot of I, I talked about this in the context of slavery movies and how we discuss them now. I think they're discussed the way they're discussed because of the history, not necessarily because. And so sometimes something like Twelve Years a Slave, I really do feel like it's unfairly judged because of the history of slave films, not because that film in particular is doing something malevolent. And I I think when you're talking about blade in general the whole point is everybody in that movie is kind of ugly and in those movies in general both one and two there is no it's not ever trying to paint any any one particular person in this light to try to say you're filthy now in the context Mm -hmm. of again in cinema you do have to acknowledge that there is this thing about the way that we paint fat people but even Mm -hmm. then even without she they don't open up and show that scene and she's got a bag of ruffles like so many movies i've watched love to do the fat every time there's a fat person there they're holding food and the whole thing about it is just like i don't think it was ever trying to paint any one thing except for this is a person that is working for this particular group and they're shitty and in that context i i now mind you again just like i don't 
always go for people saying, oh, we get the best person for the job. I don't also go in for everyone saying, oh, well, we're equally horrible to people. But sometimes it does happen where there are things that are just like, yeah, we're equally horrible to everybody. And everything's right. I mean, <laughs> Blade just barely, barely passes this. He does a lot of shit that's like, bro, come on now. And everything <laughs> and stuff like you're kind of, you're kind of, he doesn't have like a, a, a tact and everything and stuff. She's like, oh, mm-hmm. my arm is broke. And he doesn't say, are you okay? He's like, let me reset that shit. I'm not going to warn you. I don't give a fuck. We're doing it. And like, and and, and, and and there's a bunch of things like that where he's just like, whatever, and everything and stuff. And like, I don't know why I laugh at it, but it's like, even his response to her when she stops him from shooting that dude, he is so viscerally mad at her. Like, she puts, he's, not feeling he's it. like, what? Are you fucking, are you serious? Like, he's like, yeah, he's not feeling it at all. And, all these other things are the things that I feel like today we're scared to say about heroes for the most part. Oh, yeah. Blade 1998 is so unique and apart from a lot of these movies, even other movies of the era that were, you yeah. know, like PG-13. Yeah, they were, yeah. you know, a little bit campier. They were a little bit more <laughs> comic booky. Yeah. Uh, and this one is, yeah, it's, it's, it's viscerally violent. It's at times like genuinely kind of scary. It's got like yeah. horror imagery in it. Uh, and yeah, it, it just feels like a grown up kind of like comic book it's story. It's very adult. And, it and it's very adult in, not just in the violence, but also as we've been talking about in the way it handles relationships. Like yes. Chris Christopherson's, this is the last thing I'll say, the Chris Christopherson's monologue conversation that yeah. he has with Karen when he's telling her how he met he Blade oh, and why yeah. they know each God, other. So good. It's oh ju- like it ripped my heart mm-hmm. out. He's like, he's so heartbreaking. You can mm-hmm. see how much love he has for this mm-hmm. person. But you also see that his love for this person is based on loss of his, yeah. o- of his own of family. His own family. Yep. It's just like, those are the types of nuances and like the curvatures of adult relationships and like adult feelings that do not exist in, I mean, in a lot of movies of any genre. And, and I think like, it's easy for me to keep saying, you know, Marvel movies are are Mm -hmm. sterile, but I think broadly speaking, when you try to do all this four quadrant shit, even if you're not operating in the Marvel space, like you end up not really being able to say anything or show anything. It's like, we have to make movies for adults still. Like I don't, I love a good Disney movie. Like, uh, you know, like I'll watch the Incredibles till the cows come home. But like, I also sometimes want something that is for me. Like that's for an adult who like has adult feelings. And like, I, I just, I think that seems to be in rare supply. Well, the days. thing about it is that was so, what's so crazy to me about movie making in general, in that sense you're talking about. And I think again, this is where blade goes beyond itself as like, Oh, it's a comic book movie. Mm-hmm. It's a genre movie. It's a black PlayStation with all this stuff. It's, it's just a great movie. And the reason why it is, is because it understands that movies at their, at their most base level are just about relationships. It's about Mm -hmm. putting a mirror to what it is to be human, what it is to be us, our relationship with this planet, our relationship with each other, on and on. 
And the point is that each one has given us a chance to look at that from some different funnel, some different place yes. to place it. And I think, like you said, you have to have these moments. I don't know why everyone's, so, I just, I just, it's really crazy to me. We got scared of these beats that used to exist in movies as yes. almost regular. It was taken as like, that's clearly again in, 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 in in blade and it's something that we're really missing like i said in all in and as you said in all movies today because again i really do look at these things as the problem is hollywood became risk averse and they Mm -hmm. started looking for whatever was the most successful so if you became successful in stone they would be like all right everyone's got a copy whatever this person's doing. So it becomes dangerous when people make a movie that has actually qualities that you really don't want to mimic. It's great for that movie. Let's say let's some of these beginning movies that created that. All right, let's say that's good, but you just let that be for that movie. But they start going, no, no, Hollywood now is like, no, no, everyone, no matter what you're doing, mimic that. And now <laughs> yeah. that becomes a problem. And even when it fails for me, I'm not against this whole thing of like, uh, uh, I don't go in for it, don't criticize, but I do go in for give credit to people that tried to go for something unique. Because yes. mm-hmm. I really, especially in this time we're in right now, prestige films are going, they're, they're kind of marvelized too in a certain way. It's, that it's everything at this point, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so the point is that like, you want people to have distinct voices and we're losing that bit by bit. And then so that when people do have distinct voices, everybody's like, I don't like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I've watched a lot of Rob Zombie films. I do not like them. I didn't like this monster (laughs) shit. Didn't hit me. And yet, please keep Rob's put that motherfucker on more shit. I don't give a fuck. Because he's doing something. He understands. Right. He has his personality. No matter if I like those films, Rob Zombie, no doubt, has a personality. Right. Why are you booing him? He's right. <laughs> like that line we keep saying. <laughs> like, I don't care whether his films are good. There's a difference between good and having the right like formula. And I just think, again, more whatever, whoever it is out there that has like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to pursue and put that and puts that in there. Let's go with that. Well, what what I will close with is that the reason we focus on the 90s, Jamel, is like it is not because of blind nostalgia. Like Mm -hmm. we grew up in the 90s. We grew up in the 80s and 90s and like it's easy to say like we want to go back to those films because those were the films we watched when we were kids. But the reason we focus on the nineties is because there's so much richness there that speaks to conversations we're having today. That speaks to um, politics that are, that are playing out still, but also that like the movies themselves have texture, even, even, and especially genre films. And I'm just I'm so Mm -hmm. glad that we finally had you on after like us, like having so much back and forth on online. And it's, it's been really, really nice to, to actually have a conversation with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys. Thank you. Yes. Cosign all of it. Blade is just such like a, a product of its time in, in the best way, right? It, it, it takes us back to uh, exactly like the era in which it was made in which things were a little bit more adventurous in which like this kind of like 
necrotized, like IP driven, four quadrant driven kind of like comic book stuff wasn't dominant yet. It was an opportunity for it to be kind of uh, risk taking and, and enjoy something that was just unique and original and brought a lot of great talent together. Uh, and I could not imagine a better person to talk about it with than you, Jamel. So thank you again for being on the show with us today. It has been an absolute pleasure. No, thank you guys. Like this was a extremely pleasure moment. I've been with three podcasts to date. This is no cap. <laughs> no, seriously. Oh my god. Uh, no cap the best one by far. Mainly because you guys are so anti me and I do not want to disparage my other ones. They were really fun, knowledgeable people, love them to death. But there's just that like fucking thing when you like really like it's oh, are you guys my fingers? Oh my god, it's crazy. Ah! Like, <laughs> it's it, it's yeah, it's soul type shit and everything and stuff. Like it's mm. not just on the, the, the surface and so I appreciate I you guys having me on here and, and and discussing this movie in particular. It's 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 fate like almost because I really mm. couldn't think of a better movie. There's very few movies, at least I would say that are a better one for me particularly to discuss. So those two things in combination. Thank you so much. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Carl. I love you guys both. We love Kismet. you too, Jamel. Love you, Jamel. And uh, where for our listeners, where where can people find you? Uh, Twitter, Instagram. Well, uh, you said uh, Black Inform is on Twitter, so that's B L A C K N is in no F O R M as in mother on Instagram, and then on Twitter it is at my name Jamel. Pell, P-E-L-L-E, which is je m'appelle, a joke on <laughs> when somebody first told me that that's what my name is in French. And so, yeah, you can find me there on Twitter. Perfect. We'll link to all of it. Uh, I also just want to quickly plug a piece that Jamel wrote recently that everyone should read. He is not paying me to say this. <laughs> um, you wrote a piece on Tom Cruise in Interview with a Vampire, which is one of my favorite tom cruise performances and he has a lot to choose from everyone should read it it's so good and it's like an argument that i think goes beyond just his performance in in interview with a vampire and i won't give it away but i'm just plugging that people should go read it we'll make sure to link to it in yes, the show description so will. that you can read it after you've listened to this episode it's so good from our end of things you can follow along with us at hit factory pod uh you can also subscribe to the show for bi-weekly bonus content for just $5 per month at patreon.com slash hitfactorypod. Shout out to our overlords. Their names are Linda and Jesse K. We adore you. Thank you so much for your support. And we will catch you all the next time. See ya. See ya.